not mean division in community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division in community, and where we want to provide a time and a space during this, the strangest of times, for you to remember how to think, but not tell you what to think. My name's Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director at Hill City, where we used to record this podcast before the world moved on. And I am here with my co-host, Mr. John Wagler, virtually together, closer than ever, but socially distant. John Wagler. Yeah, I feel like screen-wise, we actually talk way closer to each other. Yeah. Because I feel like we're just (laughs) up in each other's space. I've never been so (laughs) self-conscious about my appearance than when most of my life has been on video conferencing. So true. So true. Crazy time we live in. It is. What's going on? How's your how is your uh social distancing slash pandemic going there at the Waggler household? You know, it's not bad. We are um we we've been able to see people, um, to some degree. You know, we've got friends that live in the neighborhood, so we walk by or we sit in each other's front yard or whatever. And um and even the grandparents were able to stop by and stay at a safe distance, but able to at least see the kids. And drop off goodies for Easter. So nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's whatever. Very cool. I mean, yeah. I, so, I, mean I, I hate even saying that, but like it's there's like a part of this is kind of like, wait, am I getting used to this? You I know, know. Like, it, it's weird. That's I know. Weird. I still haven't gotten over that feeling of like I cringe a little bit. Like we'll be watching a TV show and people will shake hands or hug or something, and I'll cringe a little bit, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no, my brain is being rewired. <laughs> it's very very true. Yeah. Um, Well, that's good to hear. So um, thanks to everyone for joining in last week on our conversation um, with Wesley Hill. It was super fun to talk to him um, and very interesting to hear uh, our past selves before all this happened, having a conversation with somebody. We were pretty good in the past. We were. We used to be great. (laughs) (laughs) We've gone downhill, I think. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. But we're we're taking everyone down with us. so this week we want to sort of resume uh, a little bit of the COVID-19 conversation. Um, we brought up a couple of points in, uh, two, so two episodes ago when we just sort of started to broach this topic. And I uh, kind of wanted to expand or expound on a few of them. Um, so today we are going to be talking about um, just kind of fear and conspiracy and misinformation and some of the things that I think have become, you know, have always existed, but have become really prevalent um, in this absolutely bizarre time. I think even more so, again, than some of the other big events of our lifetime, like 9-11 or 2008 or, you know, these things. I think I'm seeing more and more of it now. Um, So, yeah, John, I wanted to start with a question. Um, What year did you turn 18? I know it's not gentlemanly... Uh, for me to ask, but December of 1994. And when did you start to vote? Did you start to vote that year? Like when was the first time you remember voting in a presidential election? That was the first year. Um, okay. I remember, well, no, I'm sorry. It would have been 90. When would I have voted for president? What? 96. Uh, let's see. Yeah. 96. 96. Right. Yeah, yeah, that would have been the first presidential vote. Yeah. So right out of the gate, you started to vote. So little, you may not know this about me, but I uh, 
turned 18, I believe in 2002. And I did not vote until 2008. Wow. Yeah, it would have been 2008. Um, So I didn't vote for the first many years of my... So you you didn't vote like even like locally or anything like that? Didn't vote at all. Huh. Because, John, I knew that there was no point in voting because the Freemasons and the Illuminati ran everything. Um, I did a lot of uh, heavy work in the skull and bones arena to figure out that, you know, why JFK was killed by a magic bullet and uh, how that altered the course of American history so that there was no point for me to vote because the world was run by uh, the satanic government uh, funneling money through the Franklin Trust. At least you were going all off facts. All facts, baby. <laughs> all facts. <laughs> all facts. Um, what, made you, what made you start down that road, do you think? So I, uh, there was a guy um, that I kind of grew up with. He actually went to our church, and he was like just big into conspiracy stuff. Okay. And he was like a guy, he was kind of a, kind of a mentor of mine. So like he taught me a lot about playing guitar, and we had music in common. He like kind of would help out with youth group and stuff. And so he was like kind of my mentor, like adult mentor as a high schooler. And he started getting me, you know, started talking to me about like what was really going on, you know. And yeah. he, it started with music stuff where he would like tell me about how the Illuminati ran the music industry and how, you know, playing Iron Maiden records backwards was all was like Satan talking to you. And like he convinced me that the Weezer Blue album had subliminal messages in it and would show me all these little like. Um, sigils and stuff that are like that were imprinted on CDs at the time, according to him. Um, and I just got full into it. I started learning about all that stuff. And this was like not pre internet, but like pre easy internet. This was yeah. AOL dial up, you know? Um, and yeah, it was just like my default belief system for a long time that was that like there was that everything was a, like the government was a puppet government and there was no use in participating because of all of these things the the playing the music backwards stuff that you're you're talking about like that was around for a while like it because like we um i remember as a early teenager um i remember a guy coming in talking about the song another one bites the dust and if you played it backwards um that it said it's fun to smoke marijuana and that's why (laughs) (laughs) and that's fun to think you used to have to hide that message (laughs) So I don't know. It's just so that stuff's just funny. You know, it's funny you bring that up though about being raised with that and having someone come in with conspiracy theories and everything like that. I I do wonder. I'd have to research this a little bit, but you know, I do wonder if going back to you know nineties, um, early even early two thousands, but the people primary driving a lot of the narrative in the in the Christian world were coming off of. Um, being raised in an atmosphere where everyone feared like Russia, you know, mm-hmm. feared the USSR. And so everything was like, this is the end of the world. They're going to throw a bomb or this, like all these signs are being fulfilled. And they kind of go off of that. And what was ingrained in a lot of people, so our parents' ages, you know, would been ingrained a little bit more of a fear-based model um, to how they view things. I wonder if that was why it was so easy to have like, conspiracy theories just running through the church at all times. 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that whole movement of sort of born-again Christians in the 70s and 80s, you know, grew up with, like, you know, my parents both grew up in Florida with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right, yeah. You know, that's not something we think about or talk about a whole lot now, but if you were a Floridian elementary school or middle school or high school student during that, that's that's scary. Like, you know, having to get under your desk and just being sure that the nukes were going to come any day. Um, and, and I also think that it's a result of sort of post-World War II paranoia. So, you know, World War II and, and all the time before the Cold War was really the last time that the American people trusted the narrative. It's, it's sort of the first time that, like, tragedy happened out in the open. Right. And then the Cold War, like you were saying, Cold War is all about... Um, spies and coercion and subversion and 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 all of the stuff and i think that that's probably true but yeah i think you're right like the the generation sort of the the um the boomer generation i think that raised us um didn't all subscribe to conspiracies but i think it was a lot more prevalent because it was a very subversive time in our country yeah Um, yeah it's it's interesting i think it's I think it's just easy for any one of us to just be wrapped up in that stuff because whether it was how we were raised or um, what we watch on TV or what we, you know, read or what we hear in the news, you know, even if you're in modern day, I mean, think about how often even to this day, you know, people will say something like, well, you know, Obama, da, 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 (laughs) you know, I'm like, man, can we just get off of that? You know, because I mean, like you, you could do that with literally any president that just happened to be president during that time, you know, or whatever. And I don't know. I think it's it's just I'd like to do a little bit more research on like the psyche behind it, like the psycho, like why are we so drawn into it? Um, I have my own like theological theories, which we can talk about. But um, it is interesting how quickly we can jump into the fear based or conspiracy based model, even with, you know, obviously even what we're going through right now. Like with the, you know, with the pandemic, it's like a, everyone's just wanting to go neck deep in projections and conspiracies and, you know, my gosh, from the things I've already heard, like even even my son Max heard something about it, you know, where it was made and how it was made, made and what the purpose was for the virus. And I'm like, man, like it, I can't believe my 11-year-old is telling me this right now. And But anyway... It's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. I know for me, so like obviously I do vote now and I, I engage in um, civics <laughs> and like do um, more, a more, I have a, a slightly more mainstream view of the world um, than I did. And I think for me, what I realized uh, probably during like the Bush era or like right, right as Obama started to sort of like come onto the scene I and as I got like stronger in my faith I started to just question like is this helpful so I can't prove to you that like from from your local rotary club all the way up to the secret Illuminati that like every coin you drop in every bucket doesn't funnel up to some like shadow government that then smuggles children for satan worship or whatever like you can't prove that that's not true (laughs) but you also can't prove that it is (laughs) and i just started to realize like you know what if we're all just pieces on a chessboard uh you know being moved around by these big shadowy like new world order things like 
there's nothing I can do. If it's that bad, there ain't nothing I can do about it. I'm never going to, like, topple it. So shouldn't I just engage and, like, do the best I can? <laughs> yeah. I told, yeah, I, it is fascinating to me how easy it is, you know, where some people you least expect to go down that road, you know, and and here they are, you know, buying in, like, you know, you know what I heard. And I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> where's this yeah. going? You know, it just happens so fast. Yeah. And I think... I think, and I do think like people of faith are a little more susceptible to it because if you're interested in this idea of like the world behind the world, which you can be, I mean, anyone who considers themselves like a person who's interested in like spiritual matters, you don't have to be a Christian per se, you're going to be a little more like keen to, I want to learn about like what's going on behind the scenes. And I, you know, I think I, I get that obviously, but I think for me it like biblically, it'll, you know, you we talk about testing things against the Bible. So like, well, this, it's like, okay, I hear you. But like, what does the Bible have to say about it? And it always like puts me back to, I think it's second Timothy where it talks about a spirit of fearfulness. Like mm-hmm. God's not given us a, a spirit yeah. of fearfulness. Um, but one of, is it like love and sound judgment? Yeah. N- not timidity. And yeah. Yeah. And I always just think like, again, Okay, maybe it's true. Maybe maybe the reason that the the you know, the FBI headquarters is the Pentagon is because it's a pentagram. I don't know. <laughs> but like, is that helpful? Like if we know that, does that help anybody? Does it help your neighbor? Does it feed the poor? Yeah. Yeah, I I you know, I think the reason why people I think the reason why all of us are um why we end up in this element of having fear or wanting there to be a conspiracy theory is because we all want an answer for something that is unknown. And we all want to begin to, like, we need something to complete the the thought process in our head and we have to answer why. And And I would actually, you know, my perspective on this would be that the reason we all feel like this need for an answer is because there's this longing within all of us. You know, it's like, um, now the Bible would say we all have this longing for eternity, you know, and um, it says that in Ecclesiastes 3, but there's this longing for eternity within us that God has placed there. And so we are drawn to um, like the finality of things, you know, like we're, we're, like we're drawn to uh, an answer of like, oh, wait, is this how God's going to take care of everything? Or is this how it's all going to end? And I think there's an element within us that's like, okay, is, is this it? Is, is, this, is this the final thing that God's going to do before he kind of redoes everything here? You know, whatever. So I think that that part's there. I think we're also drawn into fear or conspiracy theories because um, sometimes it's because, you know, for a lot of people, They've put all of their hope into something that's man-made and temporary. And so when suffering or pandemic or a crisis comes along, it's stripped away from them. And the only thing you can do at that point in time is justify your emotion, which has to be either fear or there's some kind of crazy thing going on behind the scenes that took away what you, you know, what you put your hope in, you know. And so I think you're going to immediately then run into this um, this element of I got to go to fear based model or conspiracy theory model. I would say this a third one is um, 
There's also an element for people that, um, and this is actually a little bit more on kind of the Buddhist side of thinking, which is um, that life is suffering. That's what a Buddhist would say. Life is mm-hmm. suffering. And, and so what you do is you detach from everything. And so you want to escape from everything. And so, so even there, you're, that makes you give in to like fear or conspiracy kind of things because you're just trying to escape, detach or whatever. And so it's easy for you to do that. Where I think the Christian worldview steps into this that is so different and it's so... Um, it engages this conversation very differently, but it's it's one where I think Christians actually forget about. And, mm. and, I, and there's a lot of layers to this, but I'll just say this, like Christianity is the only belief system that talks about um, a God who suffers. And so, so from a Christian perspective, hypothetically, if we went spot on with how we're supposed to engage like a crisis or suffering or pandemic or whatever, actually fear and conspiracy theories would be the furthest, th- furthest things away from our minds. Because when we see it as God is, all right, God is, uh, you know, God suffered, that means he entered into this. And then if he loves us through us, which is what the cross and resurrection is, right? It's the ultimate of love through it. Then that means what's pulling away, pulling us out of is, that's why the idea that, you know, perfect love of God casts out all fear. You know, it's because when we look to the cross and the resurrection, that gives us the hope in the midst of the crisis and the pandemic. And so, so hypothetically, now I'm not saying, I know that's not easy and it, all of that, and I get all that stuff. But um, like, I'm not sitting here saying like, well, if you fear, you don't trust God or you don't, right. you know, but, right. but there is like a little different. And, and so you see why people get drawn into it. And so I would say this, honestly, Matt, I think if someone's like, kind of riddled by fear or just full all out engaging conspiracy theories. I know this might sound harsh and maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to, um, but we, you're actually intellectually resonating more with a pagan than you are a Christian, Hmm. you know? So that's something to take in if you're a believer in Jesus. Yeah. And I, you know, I sort of mentioned this last, uh, last time we recorded, but I just, I don't see evidence in the Bible for this sort of thought process, right? Like, I don't, like, I could even see, and this is me reading into it a little bit, but, you know, when when they hand Jesus the coin and they talk to him, or, or they're trying to talk to him about tech, uh, taxes, and, and he sort of asks for a coin and does the whole, you know, you know who, who's, whose face is on this coin, we'll mm-hmm. give back to Caesar, what is Caesar's? It kind of feels like, there are lots of opportunities like that where Jesus could start getting into like, well, let me tell you how this really works. Because, <laughs> sure. I mean, we can't believe that. I mean, I feel like it's naive to believe that the Roman Empire was not engaged in all manner. As a matter of fact, if anything, my knowledge of most conspiracy theories are that a lot of that stuff dates back to um, Rome. I mean, like the, sort of like these, the you know, like stuff like the way of the... Um, the way of the light and like the Illuminati and the Freemasons and stuff like that. Like it dates way, way back. And it just feels like, or even if you think about like the Persian empire or the Egyptian empire, there are so many chances where like leaders in the Bible can start engaging in this sort of discussion. Um, and they don't, 
Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, even if you think about how, um, it's not that conspiracies don't happen, right? I mean, people do secret alliances and they do different things, but you are correct in saying that there are plenty of times in scripture that it could be addressed. Um, I'm going to read something actually out of Isaiah 8, which became, you know, looking back became a prophetic thing about Jesus too, but it, it literally says in Isaiah 8, 12, it says, do not call conspiracy, do not call conspiracy everything this, this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. That There's more to that, like, you know, but he will be the holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will be fallen, be broken. They will be snared up and captured. But the point is, is when you're looking at even the command, going back as far as Isaiah, you know, which is 2,600 years ago, you know, plus, you know, plus some, you know, when you're, when you're going through that, you're, you're seeing like, oh wait, God's even saying back then, hey, don't give in to the conspiracy stuff. Like what these people are calling a conspiracy, don't, don't do that. Don't fear what they fear. Don't dread what they dread. Don't buy into that kind of system. Like if you want to buy into a system, buy into like me, like my holiness, my, like have that respect for, you know, and honor that. And so I think, you know, to your point, like, Throughout Scripture, this this and we could go into the prophets. We could go, you know, way back in Scripture, where they are really digging in and saying, like, "Hey, y'all, that ain't right. <laughs> Don't give in to that kind of thinking." So, what do you say? So, somebody is listening to this and they're like, "Yeah, but wags. Like, does that mean being a Christian is just like letting them track my every movement?" through Facebook and letting them put a chip in my hand and give me the mark of the beast or making, you know, being herded into vaccination centers. Like what, if somebody's listening to this and, and they kind of have a, yeah, but what, what do you feel like is your sort of like pastoral instinct, uh, in that situation? Well, so I would say it's twofold. I think when you're looking at, um, there's also wisdom literature, you know, and being wise and understanding what are the things that are taking you towards God or away from God. You know, I think um, the, you know, we we also have to remember that the the most common phrase used in or command in Scripture is to fear not. You know, and so there's a part of this is like we we don't live in fear because God commanded us to not live in fear. We do have wisdom in the things that say like oh. If I do this, this is going to take me away from God, or this is going to, you know, this is clearly something that is could be harmful to me or harmful to people or whatever. Um, I think there is that part of it. I think when you look at um, <laughs> the end time stuff and the, you know, is this the one world order? And is this like, are these the signs of the times? And I would say, historically dating all the way back to the first century, they thought it was the end and that the, you know, and the signs of the times were there and there's always been that. And so, and even Jesus says that it's not for us to know when that time is. So why are you worried about it? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think, I think our responsibility is to um, really work on not fearing what, people who don't know God, what they fear. So don't work, don't fear the same things. Um, I think it's our responsibility to 
use wisdom and understand what is taking us towards God, what's taking us away from Him. And I think when it comes to end times thinking, end of the world thinking, and obsession with that, and and everything which is totally happening right now, by the way, it's everywhere. People are, I I saw the other day that book sales and end of the year stuff is way up, end of the world stuff is way up. Um, Even shows like Pandemic and different things on Netflix, like the viewership's way up. But even things like that, it's like we're not supposed to be fixated on those things. Or even, honestly, we're not even supposed to like conjure up dates and times and and bring in things to people like, this is it, you guys. This is the, we're in the second seal moment or the third seal moment. And, you know, this, because this matches this and this, because you become an alarmist and we're not supposed to be that. So that, I mean, that would be my first thought. What do you think? Yeah, what do you? I think a lot of this does stem from stuff like Revelation, the sort of apocalyptic writing, which apocaly- even the word apocalypse doesn't really mean what we use it sure. as. Yeah, it yeah. just means like a you know revealing of truth. Yeah. Um, do you? What do you think is like a big misconception that you hear amongst Christians about this writing? Like, I can't remember. There's prophets that sort of engage in it too. I can't remember if it's Ezekiel or Jeremiah, but like. Uh, Revelation is obviously the big one. But what do you think is like a big misconception that a lot of Christians have in your experience with like how they engage with this sort of, this part of the Bible? So I think it's twofold. I think there's a grouping of Christians who completely ignore it and don't engage it, which I think is a mistake. And um, because... I think we do need to get, because Daniel is an example of, you know, there's the last part of Daniel, which, you know, really taps into that. Isaiah does, um, Ezekiel certainly does. Um, and then, of course, there's Revelation. Um, and there's other points of prophetic writings too, but or apocalyptic writings. But to ignore all of it is a mistake, because when you ignore that part, you're also ignoring a part of who God is and how actually it points into Jesus too and why it became so significant. So I think that's part of it. I think a second mistake is an overemphasis on it and um, and thinking that every single, you know, little sign that might match up is actually, this is it. You know, I think um, even with Revelation, like even when you engage Revelation, there's a reality that a lot of that scripture is actually pointing to that, exact period of time you know that the the only way that john could have gotten the word out was through this apocalyptic kind of writing that um allowed him to in a descriptive way say hey don't do this but like what he's talking about babylon is actually the roman empire so it's actually like very practical and so um but sometimes people will say like see it's like the mark of the beast and i'm like i mean I don't know, like in Roman times, like they, they'll pull that out about the marketplace um, in Romans. I mean, in Revelation, I think it's 13. They'll pull it out about, you know, to buy and sell goods. Like you need the mark of the beast on your forehead or on your arm. And so there's been, is that the computer chip thing? Is that whatever? And I'm like, I understand where people would go with that. But there is also reality that back during that exact time, you needed to have uh, a sign that you were a Roman citizen able to buy and sell goods and you had a mark of the empire. Yeah. Wasn't it like a stamp? They'd like stamp, like your a hand stamp like or you're something. Going in yeah. Dance club. Yeah. And so, 
So I think we just got to be real careful with some of that stuff. I think we engage it to read about it, to learn, and because of how we can engage God in a larger message. But we have to be real careful because you can take things way too far, which is that what I think people quite frequently do on the other side of it. What is something, if you don't mind being uh, vulnerable right now, what is something that you are afraid of that you find yourself like rationalizing sometimes? Because I think that's what a lot of this is, right? Like we feel, like you said earlier, we feel fear and then we try to rationalize it or we try to create some sort of like narrative around our feeling rather than letting our feelings be shaped by facts. Is there something that for you is like uh, fear inducing to the point that you feel yourself tempted to engage in some of this kind of behavior? So I, I actually, yes, I, I have some things that, um, have actually nothing to do with conspiracy theories though. (laughs) So, uh, so where my fear comes in and this is going to sound maybe even borderline absurd coming from a pastor, but, um, (laughs) I like fear heaven a little bit. And here's what I mean by that. Um, not in the sense of, I, like I know in my heart, ultimately when we get there, I'm good. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like I'm, it's like, it's good. And I know it'll be awesome. Um, I fear it in the sense of like, if this was the end of the world, I was like, like I, I genuinely have like a, yeah, but you know what? Ruby's two and she, I didn't get to see her grow. I didn't get to see, mm-hmm. yeah, my grandparents, I, to be a grandparent. I didn't, you know, ride this out with Lacey for as long as like I could have, could have been, you know, and, and there is like a genuine part of me that like Lacey and I joked the other night with all the weird stuff that was happening with like locusts and volcanoes eruptions and all that stuff. We're like, well, it's been a good run, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, um, but there's also like a part of me like taking the joking sarcastic side out of it that I think there's a reality that you know I am a little fearful of that end part of it where I'd like to sit here and say oh I want to look forward to that day of but there's a reality I kind of fear that day because I don't know it's like Lisa and I have a lot of life to lead or to live you know and a lot of fun to have and I do want to see Ruby and Max and Avea grow old and all that stuff and I want to meet their kids and all those things. And so there is like a part of me that's like, I mean, I kind of fear that a little bit, you know, that I, I am not a person who, when someone talks about heaven, that I'm like stoked on the idea of the end of the world. I'm stoked on heaven in the end, but I mean, this is like the selfish part on my time, on my timing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I relate to that a lot. I, I, um, I did an interview years ago when I, that was, for a band that I was in and RVA mag was like interviewing me about a record that we had put out and somehow it got on the topic of like sad stuff, like sad movies, sad music. And the guy asked me, he was like, well, cause I was talking about how I'm really susceptible. Like I just sob, <laughs> you know, like I'm just a real softy when it comes to like Pixar movies or like sad music or whatever. And he was like, why do you, why do you subject yourself to that? And I told him, I was like, well, because in the Bible it says that like in the world to come, you know, that God will wipe all the tears from our eyes. And I'm just scared that I won't get it all in before it, <laughs> before it's taken away, you know? It's like yeah. a, 
scarcity thing. Like I want to be, I want to engage in sadness now because it won't, it's one of those <laughs> things that like, I know I'm going to be glad that it doesn't exist, but it's like a, it's like a precious commodity. Yeah. <laughs> so I think about that a lot too. Like what will I not have yeah. instead of all the good things I will have? Yeah. And I don't like, I now what I don't understand, honestly, I, I don't understand why people fear like, persecution or like something being shut down or mm. whatever. And it's not because I'm like, yeah, bring on persecution. That'll be sweet. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I don't know if that's what happens. That's what happens. Like, it'll be all right. Like we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, I just, so for me, like some things that people do the conspiracy theories about or are fearful of, or, you know, like, shoot, I wouldn't want this to be the case, obviously. But if you told me, Hey, for the next year and a half, this is what we had to do. And like, this was our life and we had to figure it out. And I'd be like, all right, well, we'll figure it out. Like, you know, we'll, we'll do that. I don't fear that part of it, but there, there are definitely other things that I do. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny watching some of the conversations about the loss of freedom because there, I mean, we can agree like data, historical data supports that like in times of crisis, governments consolidate power. It's what sure, they love yeah, yeah. to do. It's how yeah. you get dictators, right? Yeah. Um, financial crisis, medical crisis, whatever. Um, so like I can agree with that. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. That's data driven. But as I sort of watch some of these conversations about like they're going to take away our religious liberty, they're going to take away, they're going to make us get vaccines, they're going to take away our freedom to do this, they're going to take away our freedom to do that. It is kind of like watching, like having grown up around addiction, like drug addiction. It's kind of like watching somebody who knows that they're not going to get a fix. Yeah, it, no, that's it's true. Like, that's very true. And, yeah. and they go through. And if you talk to anybody in like recovery culture, they go through like um, bargaining and like and pleading and anger and like there's these phases of like of of detox and it is kind of it's like an addiction it's almost like we're addicted to the freedom that we have and we have you know arguably we're the freest you know nation in the world i guess with the exception of some other first world countries but like it's almost like watching a junkie who's being told like yeah dude you're going in the tank like you're not gonna you're you're not gonna and i hope that doesn't happen and i don't necessarily think like a freedom addiction is the same as a heroin addiction but like that's the vibe i kind of get sometimes yeah Yeah. no i'm I'm with you there's and and i get it like you know i see people freaking out about like how google and apple are be tracking people and and i totally like i understand why people get worked up about that and, and, and everything. And I'm on, I'm actually on board with that. I'm like, I'm, I don't want them tracking everything I do, you know, like all that stuff. And that's how you get in some weird government things. And so I, I totally understand all of those things. Um, but from my perspective, I don't fear that part of it. I actually view those moments of like, well, Hey, maybe this is revealing some other idols that we've let fester or some other addictions we've let fester that has led to this point of, hey, government having this much control or um, allowing things to track. Like if we weren't addicted to technology or phones or, you know, like maybe they wouldn't be able to track everybody like this, you know, or like it, I think it's some, it's sometimes it maybe some of these conversations can reveal an idol that we might have that um, we've let run amok too long. Yeah. Oh, man. Heavy stuff. Good thoughts. Um, John, anything else before we we close out? No, it'll be exciting the day that we can 
do this live again. Oh man. In the fall, maybe. <laughs> I know. We miss everybody. I really I'm not I don't feel like I'm like an overly I'm i I'm an introvert and I'm not like overly affectionate. Yeah. But I really miss seeing people and yeah. miss like hugging people who are not my wonderful family. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, like shaking hands you know, like shaking hands with people and stuff. Yeah, I think I, it's starting to wear on it. people for sure. Yeah. Well, um, if anyone out there has any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, or just want to talk to me about conspiracy theories, because it's a thing I know a lot about, <laughs> you can do that by uh, emailing staycurious at hillcityrva.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at staycuriouspod. Um, that's instagram.com slash staycuriouspod. You can also follow us on Twitter, where all conspiracy theories live at staycuriouscast. Um, rate and review us when you get a second. And thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, remember everybody, stay curious. Stay curious.